Welcome to the Fabricators Coach Podcast, where we believe that every fabricator deserves to have a business that not only makes the money, but also gives them time to enjoy it. In each episode, our goal is to share real information that you can take action on and use today, information that if you will use it, can help you reduce the chaos in your business, help you make more money, and help you get your life back. Okay, well, it's uh, it's about five or six after. Let's go ahead and get started. We've, uh, as as usual, we've got you know ten or twelve people signed up, and we you know typically we'll get two or three or four out of that. I think we may have one more that may may drop in here in a minute, but I'd like to go ahead and get started. Um, you know, first we'd like to just welcome all of you here. Thank you for taking some time out of your Thursday uh, to spend some time with us. Um, I uh, just want to reiterate that the way this is set up, this is more of a discussion than it is a presentation. What we do is we do this uh, once a month. We cover the current article that's in the Sleepy Rock Gazette. And this one, of course, is from November. Uh, if you haven't read the article yet, uh, you can go to sleepyrockgazette.net, select their current issue and grab a copy. Uh, the, the title of the article is Where Will You Be When the Music Stops? And then if uh, your other option is you can go to our website, fabricatorscoach.com, select blog and, uh, and, and read the article there as well. This, uh, this article um, is really part of a 12-part series. Uh, about a year ago, um, as we were, um, as I was planning out my part of my business plan for this year, I got to thinking about the time that, that we were running a fab shop and, and this time of year was always our most hectic. And so I got to thinking about, all right, what can we do during 22 to help, um, to help fabricators not have to be as hectic in this season for 22 as they may have been in 21. So that was the idea was this series of 12 articles was to, to give you some thoughts and suggestions on how to spend more time working on your business instead of always being consumed by the business and working in it. And I do this because I think it's really important that, you know, as you improve your business, you get closer and closer to having a business that not only makes you money, but also gives you time to, to enjoy it. I think number one, you deserve that as a business owner. And number two, if you can't enjoy, you know, the benefits of your success, then kind of what's the point? So that's part of the thought process behind that. Um, quick background uh, on, on, on me, for those of you who don't know me, I've got over 40 years experience in business and manufacturing and coaching. I've, I've run manufacturing plants. I've done some turnarounds, uh, literally have worked with hundreds of companies in lots of different industries mostly in the U.S., but a little bit of international work. Uh, I've owned my own brick-and-mortar business, so I know how a small business, and so I understand how lonely it can be as an owner of a business. Uh, you sometimes feel like you're on this island by yourself, and people are out there in these boats, you know, shooting arrows at you and throwing rocks, you know. <laughs> it seems like that's kind of all day sometimes. Uh, but um, the, I've done uh, done work in this industry for about 20 years off and on. Um, my first project in this industry was back about uh, 2000, 2001. And um, my wife and I ran a fab shop for a few years as well. So we've we've lived in this fab shop business. We, we understand the challenges that you guys are dealing with day in and day out. The article, you know, the title of the article was, um, was Where Will You Be With The Music Stops? Of course, that's a reference to the kids game of musical chairs. You know, you, you, those of you, know, you may remember you, you'd be playing music and you had one less chair than the number of kids there. When the music stopped, everybody grabbed a chair 
If you didn't get one, you were out of the game. And so we got to thinking about what the recession may look like, whatever business is coming at us, whatever changes coming at us. How do we um, how do we get ready for that? How do we end up with a with a place to sit? You know, how do we end up not out of the chair? Um, so my question for you is: How many of you are already starting to see some slowdown in business? Uh, a little bit, a lot, or maybe some of you are not seeing any. We we currently aren't seeing any. As a matter of fact, we're doing record volume right now, but I know it's coming. <laughs> I can see it in the marketplace um, out there, but you know we're also trying to we're fairly well diversified, and we hit some commercial, a lot of retail, some high end builders, and then some cust or some production builders. So I think that middle market where we're at, that middle market is what's starting to slow down so we're seeing an increase in our high-end market i've got a low-end production builder that's actually doing fairly well and i'm picking up some uh, commercial work too so um, but yeah for us i I see the signs it just hasn't happened yet and i'm kind of waiting for the shoe to drop yep okay good good to hear that things are still good for you uh laura what's happening with you guys y'all seeing any kind of slowdown yet um i i don't know if it's in my head but i i feel like it's a little bit, but I, the numbers aren't showing it. Um, so I don't know. I think we might be in that same boat where we're we're still rocking steady, but I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we're all a little bit nervous. No question about yeah. that. All right. Yeah. Um, David, you guys uh, see any impact yet? None at all. <laughs> okay. so you're still wide open then. That's great. Yeah, yeah, we are. I, I do see... You know, with the rising interest rates, of course, you know, that mid, mid-range mid house is, those houses are getting smaller. It's a it's more production style, but commercial, residential, high-end residential, all picked up. So, yeah. Yeah, and the, the commercial and the, the multi-unit stuff, I think, tends to kind of, the, the economic people that I, I look at, those, those business segments tend to kind of trail the economic cycles. I think part of that's because it takes so long to plan and get permits and financing and all for those really large projects. And so they tend to kind of follow the trends rather than lead the trends. So if you're in commercial or you're doing multifamily, multi-unit, you know, that kind of stuff, uh, you, you may not see a slowdown for a while. Uh, Pablo, um, you starting to see any kind of in- impact? Uh, we are a little slow right now. Uh, we got a little slower, but I think it's more because of the holidays, I would say. I'm more concerned uh, how January and February is going to be because I think uh, because of people are talking a lot, you know, about the recession. So it's getting on their minds. So I think uh, we are going we are going to start seeing that in the beginning ne- next year. So what I'm trying to do is um, I'm trying to get into the commercial side and multifamily. You know, um, is just very hard because they are very cheap. Uh, and with the materials, you know, the, how they increased in prices, I don't know if we can meet their expectations. But that's where we are now. Yeah, making that transition is tough anytime, and especially with uh, if you're starting to see any kind of economic impact, that, that may be even a tougher challenge. So uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's going to be a, a pretty good lift, I think. Yeah. Uh, Drew, are you seeing any impact yet? No, we're, we're busy. We have been for about a year and a half just you know, gotten more and more, it seems like, but 
Uh, if I talk to builders, we're geared towards a higher end residential. We don't do much commercial, but the builders used to get, you know, 10, 12 leads a week. Now they're getting five or six, but we're still getting a ton of business. Okay. Um, we're also in the Charlotte market. So it's just a crazy, crazy market. The housing shortage around here, everybody's building, everybody's flipping. Um, there's just a lot of work. So I'm, I'm glad to hear the rest of the country is seeing the same thing we are too. Yeah, I've got uh, I've got clients kind of spread out across the country, and I've got some areas that are starting to see some slowdown, a little bit concerned and not getting as many quote requests, that sort of thing. Uh, we'll talk about leading indicators here in a few minutes, uh, but I'm already starting to see some impact in some areas, and then I've got some clients in other areas like Central Texas. You know, the, the guys over there tell me that you know they're they they follow they lag behind the downturn and they lead the upturn because they're in what's called that golden triangle of I think it's Dallas, Houston, Austin, or something like that. I think it's expanded over to Tyler a little bit, got a little bit bigger. But uh, they got, yeah, there's, it, it depends on market segment and where you are geographically, I think it has an impact. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm hearing you. from all, I'm hearing from all of you that there's definitely some, some concern about what may be coming at us. And, and when you start looking at <clears throat> what may be causing some of this, you know, the Fed is obviously just constantly ratcheting up the interest rates. Um, they have actually stated that they have a 6%, a, a target unemployment rate of 6%, which means putting a lot of folks out of work. Uh, mortgage rates have doubled um, over the you know year to date. Stock market has been down at least 20%. It's up and down as usual. Housing starts are off at least 20%. And again, that's geographic in a lot of areas, some areas more than others. Uh, so there are a lot of signs that something's coming at us. Um, we can all place our bets on on what and when and how much, but um, the, the idea here and the reason I wrote the article was to get folks kind of thinking about, all right, what's your plan? Uh, you know, if something's going to be coming at us, what's your game plan to get ready for whatever this is? I don't think anybody expects a repeat of 08, 09, um, but with any kind of a flattening of growth or even a downturn, a little bit of a shrinkage in the market, what's your game plan? Has anybody here got any specific plans that you've already put together and you've already started to execute on? We're just trying to keep up. That's all. <laughs> you know, I like I like to say, yeah, we're planning this, planning that. And we've increased capacity and we've done things for our processes, but it's more right now, I hate to say it's more reactionary, you know, just trying to keep up with everything for us forecasting the next year, two, three years. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where we're at. All right. Anybody else want to volunteer anything? I unfortunately don't have any plans. <laughs> we, we're fairly small. We have like about 12 employees. Um, so we run pretty lean anyways. Uh, I mean, I guess my biggest plan is to say that, you know, our, we can up turnaround time and hopefully grab some business that way. I don't know. Okay. All right. Um, and, you know, when I ask this question, I get a lot of different responses. And one of the more common responses, in addition to what you folks have said is, you know, folks will say, well, what I've been planning on doing is I'm going to pay off, pay off all my debt and I'm going to start, you know, hoarding cash. And that's certainly a good approach in general. The challenge is timing. If that's your game plan and you haven't already executed on that, you might be a little bit late. I don't know. It depends on how soon this thing hits and, and how hard it hits, if, if it does hit hard. Uh, so that's kind of a challenge. Uh, I think one of the challenges with that strategy, too, is how long is this going to last? How deep is it going to be? How much cash will you need to survive that? And that's that's really tough to predict, as we all know. So 
Well, I thought I'd do in this article, and, and my purpose was to give you some concrete recommendations, things to think about that um, can or actions you can start to take now to help you get ready, regardless of whatever else you've got in your strategy. Um, one of the things I think is really important is raise your prices now if you haven't already. Um, the, the, a lot of folks I'll go into and, and look at their businesses, look at their financials, and look at their orders, and I find out that they're not keeping up with the, the cost increases for their materials and also all their other cost increases. And one of the ways we can look at this is if you take a typical retail order for you, you know, something direct to a homeowner um, that's not going through a contractor with a discount or anybody else, it's direct to the homeowner. If you add up your materials as a percentage of that sales price, ideally it should be somewhere in that 30% range or less. If you're at 35, it's not too bad, but I run into way too many fabricators where on a retail job, their materials are running, are running 35, 40, sometimes 50% of the sales price. If that's happening, that's a really good indicator that you've not, um, you've not kept up, you've not kept your selling prices, have not kept pace with what you're having to pay more and more for your materials based on inflation. Uh, so that's that's one good indicator that's really important. And obviously doing that now while everybody else is doing it kind of gives you some cover. Um, you know, as as things start to slow down, you're going to start to get price pressure. Any, any of you who've been in the business for a while know that. And the sooner you do this, the better. So a really quick, simple thing you can do is just sit down and grab some retail orders, do that calculation and and see where you are. And then start figuring out, okay, where, you know, what, how can I raise this price? How can I do some add-ons to get this, to bump this up uh, and get this material cost down to about 30% of that sales price? Um, so that's, that's a real simple thing that you can work on uh, because as we all know, before, sooner or later, you're going to start getting pressure on prices. And I've already got some clients that are starting to see some of that price pressure uh, with builders and also uh, a little bit on the retail side too. Have any of you done this type of analysis on on your on your orders? And yeah, um, be, just uh, be, because it was breaking up before, uh, you know, I I answer. Uh, did you say that uh, it was running thirty to almost you said forty five fifty percent uh, on the materials as far as the margins? No, what I was saying was that if you take the materials that you're going to use for a job, mm -hmm. the slabs you're going to use, and the cost of those materials, what you paid for them, mm -hmm. should be running about 30% of the sales price of the job. So if you've got a $6,000 job, a job you're going to sell for $6,000, your slab cost for that job, not what you're going to sell that slab for, but what you paid for the materials should mm -hmm. be running about $2,000 or less if it's a $6,000 job. Oh, okay. So we're talking about the less, you know, uh, towards the cost of the whole job, you know, the better. Yeah, yeah. But when we say okay. sales price, I'm talking about the sales price of the entire job and the material cost, what you pay for the materials to make that job out of should be running uh -huh. about 30% of that total job sales price. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's an interesting, uh, how to say, standpoint. Uh, maybe I personally haven't done that. I probably would 
uh, need to take a look at it like that. We, uh, I would say, normally when we quote the job, we look at the uh, margin, you know, on the slab, basically how much more uh, we add or sell this material with, like, what are the margins, basically. Yeah, and it's, it's, that's not uncommon. A lot of folks, when they build a sales price for the job, will figure out how much material they need. They'll mark that up, uh, you know, typically 20, 25, 30%, something like that. And then they'll add on, you know, your, your add-ons for your different, you know, characteristics of the job, plus labor, plus everything else. So that's not unusual. But I think it's helpful once you've got that sales price figured out for the job, go back and look at what you paid for the materials that'll be consumed for that job. And mm-hmm. that out of pocket for those materials, which you paid for them, should run about 30% of the total sales price of the job. Okay. Okay. I see. Yeah. And if any of you are, have any questions about the details on that, don't hesitate to reach out to me afterwards and, and, and have a couple of orders handy. I'll be glad to walk through this with you because it's, I think it's an important thing to keep an eye on as inflation keeps going up. We you know we, we've got to keep price with what keep pace with what we price our jobs at. Because if we don't, obviously we're gonna we're gonna make less and less money, and at some point you get squeezed out of the market. It, um, it's funny you brought that up because uh, you know we have a eight stocking quartz colors that we sell by the square foot, and I've got a formula how to factor in waste and get the square foot price and everything. And so I just did an audit this week on fifteen retail jobs that went out and immediately raised my prices fifteen percent on my square foot number and went oh. Okay, I guess my formula wasn't quite working as well as I thought it was. So, um, yeah, we just did that. Good, good. It's it's uh, and obviously, if the the delta that you need to go up is significant, you may have to take it in a few steps. That's a decision you've got to make based on your market, your customers, and that sort of thing. But it's an exercise that's worth doing, and I think it's a pretty good benchmark. I've looked at this uh, for different size, you know, countertop jobs, anywhere from four or $5,000 jobs, again, all retail up to even, you know, $50,000 plus type kitchen jobs. Uh, and that number is, is fairly consistent across the country and across those markets, um, you know, geographic markets. So it's a pretty decent benchmark. Um, you know, if you're about 35 or so, it's not too much cause for concern, but if you're pushing 40, you need to figure out how you can, how you can uh, make, make some changes. All right. So the next one is know your leading indicators. You know, several of you mentioned earlier when I asked if you're starting to see any kind of impact, you were saying, well, I, I think I feel something coming. I think I see something coming and it hasn't shown up yet. You know, that kind of thing. Um, that's that's your intuition screaming at you is what I like to say. That's that's your subconscious saying, hey, things are, you know, some, something's changing. I can smell it. I can feel it. I can taste it. I just can't put my finger on it. Um and as you'll as you'll find out, and those of you that I've, I've talked with in the past, you know I'm I'm big on focusing on data. Uh, and so when you look at leading indicators, we've got in our businesses we've got leading indicators and lagging indicators. A lagging indicator is you pull up the profit and loss statement right now that you've got for last month, and that net profit is a lagging indicator of all the things that you did the previous month. Leading indicators. A good example of that is quote volume is a leading indicator for sales volume because you don't convert every quote to a sale necessarily. So that quote level, how many quotes per day, quotes per week, however you measure it in total dollars in quotes, uh, that's a leading indicator to what you're going to have in terms of sales and then what you're going to have to template, fabricate and install. 
One question I've got for you is who out there is, is tracking a metric that gives you an indicator of what your quote volume might be next week or next month? Anybody out there tracking anything like that? Not forecasting into the future. No, okay. but we do. I've listened to enough of your things that I do take a look at quoted, you know, versus sold. And, and that's what I pulled up right at the beginning of this. And it looks like we're maybe over um, last month, but are pacing that way, but that's nothing concrete. Just, just looking at what was quoted. Okay, so you're, you're doing a good thing, it sounds like, in that you're tracking the trend. How is it looking week to week, month to month? And is, it, is that trend going up or going down? And as you, as you track quote volume, and you're also tracking your conversion rate, which is what is, you know, how, what does that turn into in terms of orders? There's a time lag in there, obviously. Yeah. So sometimes your quotes may be high in July, and you don't see those in terms of orders until August, you know, that kind of thing. And, and I think we all know that. My question is, not so much what are you forecasting for this month or next month, but what metrics are you tracking now? Is anybody tracking anything that that can be a predictor, a leading indicator of quote volume? No. Okay. <laughs> there are there quote are some things volume, you can... there. So we're talking about just the amount of quotes that we're doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the we number... track like how many people are walking in. We get a ton of walk-in business, right? So, so you track that? We track our walk-in business. Um, you know the amount of templates or measurements that are scheduled per day. Um, that's my leading thing. If I see that he's only got, <clears throat> you know, not we got two templaters. So if one if they're not both full pack schedule that's my first indication that, all right, we've, that's something's got to pivot or twist or change. Okay. All right. So if you're tracking showroom traffic, that's awesome. Some folks, you know, everybody's got kind of an intuitive feel. It doesn't feel as busy today as it did last week or whatever. But if you've got data to back that up, that's phenomenal. Okay. And that's a good indicator. That's a good example of the kind of thing I'm talking about. Um, if you've got a way to track showroom traffic, if you've got a good, strong retail business component of your business, that's great to track, but it's also really good to track, uh, and, and hopefully you're doing some marketing on social media. Uh, hopefully, you maybe you're tracking some of your website traffic, that sort of thing. Um, tracking those things as people engage with you on your website, as people engage with you on social media, those that amount of activity will turn into a certain percent of quotes. And so that engagement level, whatever those stats are, can give you a leading indicator for your quote volume, which then is a leading indicator for your sales volume. So looking for things like that in your business is important. If you're not doing that right now, uh, you may want to think about doing it. And a good tool to think about is something called a CRM. It's a customer relationship manager's piece of software. Um, and you use it to track sales activities. The new ones, the ones that are out these days, they can go in and, and attach to your website. Uh, they can go tie into Instagram, Facebook, you know, whatever you're using on, on social media. And they can start tracking and engaging what's going on in engagement there so that you've got that additional leading indicator that will tell you, okay, so do you think your showroom traffic may be going up in the next couple of weeks? Because, man, my social media engagement has jumped up 20%, you know, that kind of thing. 
So that's really important. And one thing I will say about CRMs, there's so much capability out there. And there are, there are a couple of hundred at least in the market. There's a lot of them out there. Sorting through that's a challenge. It's really helpful to get somebody who, who kind of knows that arena to help you out. And when you set up a CRM, you got some technical things like tying into your Instagram, Facebook, website, and all that. You'll need a little bit of technical help. And then part of what you got to define is um, go through and, and define your sales process so you can track what's happening there. That way it'll, you'll get a good idea of which salesperson, you know, what's your average time to respond to a, a quote request or an inquiry or a question? Uh, how quickly are you turning around quotes? If you've gotten multiple salespeople, which one's doing a great job with that response time? Which one's doing a poor job? You know, so those things get to be really important. There's a lot of moving parts in there, a lot of details. If you if you don't feel comfortable with that, go out and get you some help. And if you don't have a local, you know, IT or marketing or whoever person you need to work with, I know some folks who do this just for this industry. So if you need a recommendation, don't hesitate to, to reach out to me and, and ask for that recommendation. I'll be glad to connect you with some resources there. I don't get any money for this. These are just people that I know that I've, I've helped put into some of my clients because my clients needed that help. And Pablo, you've got a comment up. You just hired somebody to customize a CRM for you. Was that a local person that you hired? Yes, it's a local person. Uh, he came to our office and um, he looked uh, at our systems and he's trying. He's going to do a system for us, a CRM, which is based on our needs. Um, so, yes, basically that's what we are doing now because I would like to forecast, you know, ourselves better and to have a way, uh, easily way that we can just look, you know, in the dashboard or something uh, that we can have this information because right now it's kind of uh, difficult. Uh, my only concern with CRM, it's uh, because I know that, you know, it works, but you have to put the right data in. And I'm uh, just thinking, how am I going to make my people, you know, do it? Well, these, these packages. Magic question. Pardon? The magic question. Ah, uh, yeah, yes. yeah. Well, several things. One is, depending on the, do you know which, which CRM he's going to use for you? Uh, no, he hasn't presented uh, the CRM itself. He okay. is uh, gathering the information, you know, okay. from us first. So he can customize and go there and look for one, actually. But that's where we are now. All right. So, so part of the answer to that question is having the right CRM. You know, MailChimp is one that folks know about. That in, and all your CRMs these days that are good incorporate that email campaign capability that, that ties in with your sales capability, which is something MailChimp's kind of known for. But the CRM side of MailChimp's pretty weak. The data side of MailChimp, for example, is pretty weak. And I know that because we've used MailChimp for the last couple of years and we're getting away from it. Uh, because we want more data for the stuff that we're doing. And so you want to make sure that whatever CRM you, you get, um, you don't want to have to go in and look at social media, look at Instagram, or go look at Facebook, go look at Instagram and have somebody, you know, measure how many touches or comments you've got. You want the CRM to do that automatically. That capability is out there and it's not horribly expensive. Okay. Uh, good CRMs will, will do that for you and then they'll post that data. Think about a dashboard in your car that gives you the information you need to, to drive the car down the road and the, the metrics it feeds back to you. You want the same kind of capability in your CRM. Um, you also want a CRM that can, as you know, CRMs can tie in with your phone systems. 
and start doing things like recording calls so you can use those for coaching opportunities and training opportunities. Show folks best practices for dealing with challenging situations, all that sort of thing. Um, that you with a CRM, you can set them up so that as leads come in, you can decide how they're allocated. Either certain people get certain types of leads or it's on a round robin kind of thing or, or whatever. And then it can track the time from when that lead got assigned to a certain person to when they responded to it. So there are a lot of capabilities that reduce the need for your people to enter a lot of data. And so when you talk to somebody to help you set that up, you want to make sure they understand that. Because as you guys just said, trying to get folks to enter that all the time is, is a challenge. And if you don't have good data, you can't make good decisions. Yeah. Okay. So good. I'm glad you're looking at that. That's awesome. All right. And talking about data, the next point is quantifying your intuition. And what I mean by that is you folks have all got varying degrees of experience in your business uh, and in this industry. And because of that, you know, it's kind of like some of you were talking about, I think Laura was saying, I, I know something's coming. I can kind of feel it. That's, that's your intuition screaming at you because it's your experience that says, hey, something's changing. And I'm not sure what it is. Uh, I used to work, one of my early jobs in manufacturing, uh, I worked for uh, Ryobi, making power electric hand tools. And I, and those guys, I was in my 30s and walking into a plant with guys who'd worked there longer than I had been alive. And they'd, they'd been there a while, to say the least. And they could tell you when they walked in in the morning, what kind of day it was going to be, how well things were going to run or how poorly they were because of their intuition, they, their experience. And they were going by what they heard, what they saw, what they smelled as to how things were going to work. Same thing's true for what you do in your business. Uh, hopefully you don't have any bad odors like we did, but uh, <laughs> when you're burning plastic and doing injection molding, it get a little smelly. But, you know, quantifying your intuition is really important. You're already doing things like upcharges on waterfall, mitered island, you know, full legs, your full height splashes, uh, some of your kitchen configurations, that sort of thing. But do you know the real financial impact of that? Those of you that I've talked with in the past know I'm a big believer in tracking and using throughput and operating expense as specifically defined management accounting metrics that are not gross margin. They're not typical gap, gap accounting type metrics. Uh, and I like those a lot because every industry I've used those in, I've always gotten really, really good information to help me make good management decisions. And I, and I use that with all my clients. So if you, if you quantify that, in, that intuition, and analyze those those metrics. You'll be able to say, okay, I know it. You know that that going back and and making a second trip to install that full height splash has cost me more money. So I've got an upcharge for that. But when you do the analysis, you may or may not find out that that upcharge is nowhere close to the financial impact of that activity. You know, when you go look at different market segments, uh, obviously you've got different price points for your K&Bs, big box, commercial work, you know, contractors, retail, all that. But within a given segment, you look at something like contractors, you know, you got contractor A versus contractor B, you know, um, you know, contractor Chuck may be your best buddy you like to go hunting and fishing with. And he was one of your early customers to help you build your business. But you know that Chuck's getting a little tough to work with these days. And your intuition says, maybe that's costing me some money. But now I got Builder Bob, who's only been with me a year or two, and man, those jobs really run smooth. Well, if you can put a number on those, then when Chuck comes to you and starts giving you 
pressure on prices and you start looking at, you know, have some idea of what Chuck's really costing you because he doesn't run his jobs well and your temperature shows up and the painters are in there or the appliance guys are in there or the cabinets aren't even set yet. You know, those kind of things. You can start to quantify that impact. When you can quantify that impact, that gives you good data to make good business decisions. And so tracking that kind of information, quantifying it is really important because it'll give you a lot of good tools to work with because if we get a downturn in the economy to any degree, you're going to start getting price pressure. When you get price pressure from Chuck, who's tougher to work with, and you suspect those jobs aren't quite as profitable, knowing how his jobs perform relative to Bob the Builder, who seems to run really smoothly, can kind of help you in that conversation with Chuck. Doesn't mean you get rid of Chuck. Doesn't mean you necessarily raise your prices. There may be other things you do to help minimize the negative impact Chuck's having. Uh, or it may may help you just in pushing back on Chuck and saying, look, man, I'm already sending money out with these jobs because, you know, remember that time when you said come out and template the cabinets weren't even set. That kind of stuff eats me up, you know. So we've if you got data, it's easier to have those conversations. Anybody tracking that type of data now? No. Okay. Those are things that are great to get into. They're not that hard to get into. So if, if anybody's interested, I'd be happy to kind of talk you through some of that. I've got some tools on the website. Oops. I've got some tools on the website uh, that can, can give you some good explanation of that. There's some articles out there, that sort of thing. So um, I'd be glad to share those with you. You can go, go log on and, and, uh, and download those. I'm also happy to have any conversation with you to try to you know, help you get started with that. So that's important. As we talk about tools, you know, the demand in this industry has been really high for the last couple of years. And so a lot of folks have been making some good money and that's great. And a lot of folks I talk to are already making good investments and good tools. This is a great time to stop and think about that and decide are there any more that you need to make. And as you can afford to, you know, obviously digital machinery, digital templating, you know, newer machines, machines with more capability, those are all things that are that are pretty obvious investments. But can you think of any other investments that might be important to make to help you survive a downturn or a slowing economy? Is anybody making any of those investments? We we use ActionFlow, um, and I, I consider them a CRM. They they have a lot of features in there that I think gives you enough of what, um, you know, we could probably digest <laughs> on a normal basis. Um, but we, I am working on their power BI dashboard to hopefully like, um, I think it was, uh, someone said, you know, have those numbers at your hand, not having to go dig for them and forget about it and get lost in it. Absolutely. Um, the old, old, uh, I cut my teeth in textiles very early in my career. And, uh, we had a saying, you inspect what you expect. Uh, so, you know, what, what numbers you track, what questions you ask your people, they know that's what you're looking at. So they'll pay attention to it. So anything that you can post as far as key indicators up on whiteboards, you know, digital monitors in the, in the, in the office, in the shop, wherever those are all important too. the, the power BI, uh, aspect building a digital dashboard out of action flow is something I really like a lot. Um, I've heard they've got a CRM. 
I've heard it's not very robust. It doesn't have all the capabilities I was talking about. Doesn't mean it's a bad one to have. Yeah. Um, but it certainly is good to have that kind of capability. So that's great. And I think investing in good software like that is a good example of the type of thing that making those investments now, if you've got good data, if you've got a, a good way to handle the jobs and information as it flows through your business, I think that's important. If you don't have a good system for that, or if the one you got's not working well, um, either look at a change in software or maybe go to your provider and ask for some training and upgrading. There are some third-party people out there for some of these packages that do some customized training and customized configuration. Maybe that's a good investment to make for you. Who knows? Um, stop and think about how information flows through your, your business from point of first contact with a customer all the way through that final invoice after the install. Where does the job tend to get bogged down? You know, where does it tend to slow down? Where is that bottlenecks move around in businesses? But sometimes you'll have a spot where they tend to show up more often than not. Um, a good example may be, say, your CAD and engineering office. Uh, you know, that's depending on your shop and how it's set up. I know one of the things we always struggle with, even with a, a wet shop with good controls, you know, there was lots of dust everywhere. Uh, and when you get a lot of dust on, on, on computer boards and computer chips, they, those machines slow down. They don't work as well. And if on top of that, you've got computers that your CAD and engineering guys are using that are three, four, five years old, maybe that's where a bottleneck is happening on a regular basis. And I think it's important to stop as an owner, especially and think, okay, how many complaints have I had from those guys over the last couple of years? And now that I think about it, they quit complaining. Doesn't mean the problem's fixed. It means they've given up. So thinking about things like that may give you some ideas to go look and say, okay, maybe I need to make a, I've had a good couple of years. I got a little bit of cash. Maybe it's time to make that investment and let's put ourselves in a really good position to respond quickly to customers once we get those orders. Um, another good thing is um, if you're familiar with pinpoint status, some yeah. of you may have, if you're not using it, uh, some of you may have had uh, providers come to your house to do work and they'll, they'll send you a text with a photograph of the person that's coming and when they're due to arrive and here's their phone number, that kind of stuff. You know, doing that for your templaters, your installers, pinpoint status is one that I know of. I'm sure there are others that are out there. Uh, but things that help improve your customer experience. It'll help differentiate you uh, from your competition because if if things start to slow down a little bit, there's going to be a bit of pressure from your competition because they're going to respond too. How do you how do you beat them to the punch, and how do you improve what you do now to be ready for that? Any other thoughts on things you might could do along that line as far as investments? We use Pinpoint and it's awesome. We kind of um, just started in the last few months and. I think that it has freed up a lot of time that from our schedule manager. So that's a little promising that maybe she could take on some other things that need to be taken on, you know? Well, it frees up that time and also improves your customer experience, doesn't it? Yeah. Yep. Um, I would another, say, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I would say that, you know, talking about tools. Um, I mean, I think we talked to you about it last time, but we're now in the process of getting, you know, new machine, uh, CNC machine installed. And so we're getting switched to digital templates. And, uh, you know, uh, at some point we'll look at it like it will save time uh, uh, or to do quicker templates. Uh, and then also, uh, you know, once we get all up and running, then uh, faster, like production time, uh, more accurate, uh, less chance of, um, you know, errors on the fabrication side. 
uh, as I said, once again, once it's like up and running, uh, you know, at the same time with a downturn, it's a really big investment. Um, so I'm listening to this, like it's important for us to like keep up right now. So like this uh, new investment in this machine won't be, uh, uh, you know, a bad necessarily thing for us with because it it does cost pretty well on the you know monthly payments yeah i think you're exactly right you know the, those of you who haven't had any slowdown yet and who may not anticipate or expect to have any of a slowdown obviously anything you do that makes it easier to deal with the labor challenges that we've all got um, that's the one one common factor with with everybody i talk to is a labor situation so anything that saves you time and gives you a good, consistent quality output like like Victor's talking about. Those are those are pretty obvious things. One that's probably not as obvious. It's not thought of maybe as a tool because it's not a physical thing. Is uh, training for your salespeople, finding a good provider who can come in and teach your salespeople how to sell better, uh, not to be the used car salesman type type uh, model, but to go in there and, and sell without selling, how to become that trusted advisor uh, for your clients, whether they're contractors or retail or whomever. But, you know, that's if you've got some money to invest and you've done a lot of these other things and you've already got a CRM up and running and that sort of thing, think about some training that that can help you improve your sales. And, and that's one area that people overlook a lot. It's not something you do quickly, like you buy a machine, install it, it's up and running, but, you know, starting now, uh, if things do slow down next year, whenever, then you're in much better shape for that. Because I can bet you there's so few people in so few shops in this business that do formal training for their salespeople. I can just about bet you if you do it, you may be the only one in your area that does. That's going to give you a competitive advantage. And if we talk about competitive advantages, build your marketing plan. How many of you have a formalized, structured plan to market your business? Anybody? We, we don't. Uh, we, we're pretty wide presented as far as like social media. Uh, so we have uh, uh, Instagram, uh, you know, for more of a visual content every day, uh, you know, posting stories and reminding, you know, those sort of things. And uh, I think we've, kind of started that uh, this year, I would say maybe six to eight months ago. Right now, uh, we probably see constant, uh, you know, more engagement. There are some people who text directly, you know, through Instagram account asking for a quote, and we uh, try to direct them, uh, you know, right to the person or have the person from the office call them right there, uh, you know, rather than them then just sending kind of like a blank inquiry. Um, so, then on the website, we also have inquiry form, which uh, more of an old school, I would say, people who Google something. And uh, I would say kind of a little bit older gem demographics that engage there. And then uh, we also run Google ads. Uh, but I would say as far as the plan and more of like a budget and, you know, kind of like a, a more broad picture, I would say we kind of lack on that. And, and that's pretty typical. If you go look at, um, go, go pull up a half a dozen fabricator shop websites that you know, and look at the things that you see on those websites. And a lot of the things that Victor was just talking about are something that you see on a lot of, a lot of fab shop websites. 
And the, the point is, is after you look at a half a dozen of these, they all start to look the same. There are times I wonder <laughs> if they go, you know, the, the photographs from the sites all look so awesome. Are they going to the same houses and taking photographs <laughs> or, or borrowing each other's, you know, sometimes because they all, it's that same looking down the edge of the countertop from the, you know, from the end down toward the corner, you know, that kind of stuff. And yeah, you need that, but that doesn't differentiate you. When you talk about a marketing plan, what you want to do is show folks how you're different. And just because you've got social media going or you've got Google ads going or, or something else going, doesn't mean that that's a, a, I mean, it's, it's part of the marketing plan, but the content of that is really what's crucial. You want to demonstrate to folks what is, what's unique about your business? How is your shop different than the other shops around? What do you do that's differently? And if you are out taking the point of going out and, and thumping your chest and saying, we're awesome, look at this, we're great. That's kind of what everybody else is doing. It's the same message. But if you stop and think about where your customer is and what their concerns or their challenges are, and then figure out how to demonstrate that you do that differently. I tell my clients all the time, when you stop and think about homeowners, especially dealing with trades in their house, the plumber, the electrician, you know, the, the carpenter, whoever, you know, they're, they're building codes for all these, they're, they're apprenticeships or certifications and licenses and things like that. We don't have that in this industry. And when you go online and start researching, you know, about trades, uh, you think about uh, things that people do in their life. They, people change jobs more often than they buy countertops normally, unless they're house flippers. Um, they, they um, you know, they buy, they buy more cars, they buy more houses, and they buy countertops. This process is a big, big unknown for them. And you think about, you know, as you've contracted with plumbers, electricians, or people like that in your house, what's that core concern that you've got? And it probably is more along the line of how do I know I'm going to be happy when this is all done? I know it's going to cost money. I want to, I don't want to overspend, but above all, I don't want to be just really unhappy with this. And when you think about countertops, if that person is unhappy with the result of that process, that means every morning they get up to go in that kitchen and make coffee, make breakfast, whatever, they're going to be reminded that it didn't go well. And so demonstrating how you do that well, and, you know, you may not be doing things that differently than your competition, but your competition probably isn't talking about things that you take for granted, like your built-in quality process and all the extra checks that you do and the sign-offs and things that you do to make sure your quality is just perfect when it goes out. So that customer doesn't have a problem. Um, you know, the things like that that you do that you take for granted that, other folks may or may not do, but if you can highlight that, it starts demonstrating to the prospective customer how you do things differently and how you can keep them uh, from making a bad decision. And so when you start talking about marketing, the, the mechanics of that are one thing. We've talked about part of that, and some of you have talked about other parts of it, but the content of that's really a challenge. Um, mm -hmm. And of all the things I've, I've suggested, this is probably the toughest one to do by yourself. Because it's just, at least for me, it's just so hard to to step outside of the business and look back at it from fresh eyes. And sometimes you need a marketing person to to kind of help you with that and ask you the right questions. So that's that's probably one of the toughest ones. 
One of the things I want to, uh, we're getting we're right at our hour point here. I know some of you have got to go and I'll, I'll hang out another 30 minutes or so if people have got questions. But one thing I want to leave you with is hope really isn't an effective business strategy. Taking specific actions, putting together plans, making sure that you're not leaving your marketing up to just word of mouth and kind of being the tumbleweed that's blown by the wind. Those are not effective strategies. Taking specific actions and making plans, tracking data, those are the things that help you run your business instead of it running you. Those are the things that you do that help you drive your business rather than kind of feeling like you're at the whims of whatever's happening out there. Um, so those are things I'd recommend you do. Uh, for those of you that are interested, if you're planning to, um, anybody going to Tice in Vegas the end of January? Maybe you don't know yet. Um, we will be uh, speaking at Tice this year. We've got several proposals out for things we're going to be doing. So if you're interested, love to meet you, love to talk with you. If you if you if you um, are at the show, make sure you reach out, and we'll set up a time to meet. Um, our next article, uh, next webinar, next month, we're going to talk about a specific tool for planning for 2023. Sitting down and forecasting your sales for each month, starting to predict what your your net profit may look like because as your sales change, you'll make changes in your operating expense structure. And we'll talk about that at our next one. Um, at this point, this is kind of all I've got. And I know again, some of you have got a dash off at the end of the end of the hour, but I'll hang out another 20, 30 minutes if anybody's got any questions. But I want to thank you again for spending your Thursday with me. Hope this has been helpful for you because that's the whole point of this is to cause you to think a little bit, give you some ideas so that you know, you can have that business that doesn't just make you money, but also gives you time to enjoy it. So thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fabricators Coach Podcast. If you've got any additional questions about this particular episode or anything else, please check us out at fabricatorscoach.com. Thanks. Have a great day.